Adam Crowley Show. Wow, wow, is very nice. ESPN Pittsburgh on 970 AM and 106.3 FM. Surprising breaking news coming into the Crowley Show. After 13 hours of deliberation, a jury found Sidney Crosby guilty on all three counts of aggravated indecent assault. I'm telling you what, I think that means he's unavailable in tonight's hockey game. Uh, Adam, you're thinking of Bill Cosby. Oh, it was Bill Cosby? Yeah. That's a relief. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. It is draft day, baby! Yeah! I'm amped up about it. Are the Steelers going to get their quarterback in the future? Are they going to get their running back in the future? Are they going to get some supporting members of a defense that could perhaps dethrone the AFC champion New England Patriots? I don't know, but I will be glued to my TV watching hockey all night. I am excited about the draft, but I don't do the homework that I used to do. It's bizarre, I think, for grown men to get this excited about other grown men when they don't know whether or not the grown men are good at the thing they're supposed to be good at. Like this McGlinchey guy out of Notre Dame. Sounds like a future All-Pro, right? He's a guard and his name's Mike McGlinchey. And he's white and went to Notre Dame. This guy's a future All-Pro, right? You think, but you don't know. Who's the best quarterback? I've heard a bunch of different draft analysts have different opinions. Who's the best running back? Oh, that's Saquon Barkley. We can all agree on that. Hey, Josh Allen's a racist. So I've been told. Some of his tweets were dug up from when he was 16 years old. He's not 16 anymore. Hey, sometimes your opinions can change. Sometimes you become less ignorant. Sometimes you can learn over the course of your life. You just got to branch out. You got to go somewhere where you're going to meet people with different values. Unfortunately for Josh Allen, he went to Wyoming and they all have the same values. That is a problem. Pens caps, game one tonight. If the Penguins lose, don't freak out. They are 9-1 all time against the Washington Capitals in the playoffs. And they've lost game one eight times. It doesn't mean anything. It is the least important game of the series, bar none, in every series that's ever going to be played. Do not worry if the Penguins lose. If they win, they'll celebrate. If they win, they're winning the series, though, right? That's the way we do it as fans. I've read so many series previews, so many so that my eyes are stinging about Who's going to prevail, Pittsburgh or Washington? Is this finally the year for the Capitals? Are they going to break through that glass ceiling? And I read in the Washington Post, Isabel Kershudian, she talked to a bunch of the Capitals about playing Pittsburgh and whether or not they were excited about it or they were scared. And to a man, they're excited. They say in order to win the Stanley Cup, they wanted to play Pittsburgh to prove that they can beat Pittsburgh. Man, are they obsessed. Obsessed. This is the kind of thing that does stick in your craw. This is the kind of thing that does make you think, if you're a Penguins fan, there is going to be that mental block. Capitals fans won't cheer tonight until the clock hits zero if the Capitals have the lead because they always know they could blow it. In the previews that I read, 
a lot of people are saying Pittsburgh's got the better team. Pittsburgh's got the deeper roster. Pittsburgh this, Pittsburgh that, Pittsburgh this, Pittsburgh that. And the reality is the Penguins are a better hockey team than Washington. One look at each team's roster will confirm that. The Penguins have Derek Broussard centering their third line alongside Mr. Elimination Game Brian Rust and Connor Sherry. Carl Haglin, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel is good enough to be the top line of most teams throughout the NHL. And I haven't even mentioned Sidney Crosby between Jake Gensel, Gretzky, Lemieux, and Patrick Hornquist. That is an embarrassment of riches. The Capitals have a great top six. They've got Alex Ovechkin, they've got Kuznetsov on line one, and then TJ Oshie and Nick Backstrom on line two. The mismatch is the bottom six. That's where the Penguins should be able to win this series. But here's the problem that I'm not seeing mentioned enough in any of these previews. Without Malkin and Haglin, the Penguins effectively don't have a second line as good as Washington's. Pittsburgh's depth becomes non-existent. Instead of the third line that you think can grind the Capitals down being a third line, it becomes the Penguins' second line. And you match that line up with Nick Backstrom, and God love Derek Broussard and everything he's brought in the playoffs, but Backstrom's a better player. He just is. I like Brian Rust. Is he better than T.J. Oshie? No, he's not. T.J. Oshie's a freaking monster. The Capitals have the advantage tonight. Carl Hagelin's not going to play in game one or two. Evgeny Malkin skated today. I think there's a good chance he plays in game number two. In fact, I'll break it right here on the Crowley Show. Evgeny Malkin's going to play game two on Sunday at 3 o'clock. How about that? I'm breaking news right here on the show. The problem is, if there would be a setback, and if Giddy Malkin's not able to go. The problem is, if Carl Hagelin didn't come back till the end of the series, then all this depth you're talking about with the Penguins isn't really depth. They're just every other team. Derek Broussard is a really good second line center in the National Hockey League. A really good one. And the Penguins have him as their third line center. That's great. But now you kind of feel like all the other teams around the league feel, don't you? You've got Crosby, so you still feel a little bit better. But you've got a bona fide number one center. And your number two center now is a number two center. Washington's number two center is, I think for most teams, a number one center. Nick Backstrom's really damn good. The Penguins are not the better team tonight. They're not. They just aren't. Does it mean that they're going to lose? No. Washington is better on paper, though, right now. If Malkin comes back for Game 2, then I can see the Penguins winning the series. If not, I think it's advantage Capitals. One of the things that's being discussed is that the Penguins and Capitals are far different teams than they have been the last two years. And that's true. For Washington, I think that's good. For the Penguins, eh, good or bad. I mean, they won the Cup the last two years. So the players who are no longer here had a lot to do with that. I, however, think the Penguins got better players to replace them. We'll get to that in a moment. As for the Capitals, they did not get better players to replace them. The Capitals are worse on paper now than they were the last two years. Kunitz is gone. Cullen is gone. Daly, Benino, Hainsey, and, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury. Chris Letang replaces Daly, if you want to think about it this way. Broussard replaces Bonino. Sheehan replaces Cullen. And Alexiak replaces Hainsey. 
I like that for the Penguins. But all these players that have departed contributed mightily to their cause the last two years. Kunitz is a monster on the power play on that second unit. He helped grind Washington down. Cullen scores big goals all the time. Even did it for Minnesota, and they weren't scoring goals at all in the postseason. Trevor Daly was the first guy Sidney Crosby handed the cup to in 2016. Nick Bonino has scored some pretty darn huge goals against Washington, including the game winner, the series winner, in 2016. Marc-Andre Fleury is the reason the Penguins won the series last year. As for Washington, Marcus Johansson's gone. Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, no longer in the fold. Carl Olsner, Kevin Shattenkirk, no longer here. And Burkowski is out with an injury, and he might not play this series. They add Verana, Dante Smith-Pelly, Christian Juice, Michael Kempney, and Chandler Stevenson. It's an infusion of speed, and it's an infusion of youth. They've got players who are playing over their heads right now, and we'll see if that continues. Dante Smith-Pelly had... Seven goals throughout the regular season. He had two in the first round. Does that hold up? Probably not, but we shall see. These teams are different. For you to only rely on the past is silly. It's futile. Boy, that makes it sound so serious. Sportsy sports talk. Serious. Futile. The Penguins got by Philadelphia with Moxie. A lot of people will say they have that it factor. Matt Geica from PittsburghHockeyNow.com wrote about just that the last couple of days. Was it really the quote unquote it factor, though? Or is it just the fact that the Penguins are better than them? I do believe in it a little bit. Sidney Crosby's been there before. He didn't get shaken. Evgeny Malkin doesn't get shaken. Matt Murray doesn't get shaken. These guys can be relied upon in the big situations, unlike some of those people in Washington. But you don't think talent's got something to do with that? Tom Kuhnhockel might not get rattled, but who cares if Tom Kuhnhockel doesn't get rattled? He's not going to be out there in the critical moments anyhow. Sidney Crosby doesn't appear rattled because Sidney Crosby is the best player in the world. Evgeny Malkin doesn't appear rattled because Evgeny Malkin's one of the top five players in the world. So as much as I've even talked about this team's moxie, and as much as I've talked about this team having what it takes to win in the critical moments, I think the talent is the more important thing. And coaching. Coaching's huge. Because the Penguins had a bunch of talent in 2010. They had a bunch of talent in 2011. The list goes on and on and on all the way up until 2015 when they just, frankly, weren't any good. And they didn't win anything prior to 2016. Why? Coaching. Didn't keep them focused, or as Mike Sullivan says, focused. Didn't have a plan B. So it's not so much it. It's talent and it's strategy. And the Penguins have both of those things in spades when they're healthy. Here's my prediction. Are you ready? Is everybody ready? First, let's get Tom's prediction. Tom, what do you got? For the series or just the game tonight? You son of a gun. The well, series. So the whole series? I need the series. Pens and four. Whoa. Wow. Yeah, it's over already. Confident. Glass half full. Right? I'm not as confident, man. I think we're looking at another seven. Hell yeah, we are. I mean, it's going to be a badass series for sure. Yes. That's what happens, man. This yeah. is the Capitals. You go to seven and then you send them home and you move on to the next round. I know that the Penguins 
to a man after the series last year said, we knew Washington would get tight. But Sidney Crosby said in the locker room a couple of days ago that these series have been hard fought and that they really could have gone either way the last couple of years. And that's the God-honest truth. These series were so tight that one went to overtime in Game 6 and the other was a one nothing game going into the third period of Game 7. I don't think the Penguins walk into this series and say, oh, we're going to beat Washington because they're Washington and we're Pittsburgh. Hell no! They go into the series and they think this is going to be tough. It's a coin flip series. We need to make the plays in crucial moments and that's what's going to be the difference. Here's my prediction. And I'm going to put a qualifier out there because it's my damn show and I can do whatever the hell I want. I got Penguins in six if Malkin misses one game. If Malkin misses two games, I got Penguins in seven. If Malkin misses any more than that, I got Capitals. How's that for hedging your bets? Save that audio because I already forget what I said. Yeah, I think you'll be right either way. It's a good, good move by you. Sports radio, baby. Yeah, buddy. It is sports radio. <laughs> if the Penguins find a way to win the series in seven games, they'll have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And if they don't, it'll be tough. It will be really hard for them to win a championship if they don't win this series. Oh, I, man, I don't think anybody's ever done that before. Correct. It would be a first time if they did. Isabel oh, no. Kershutian. Well done, man. Nicely done. Three times in a row. Yeah, buddy. She had Dante Smith-Pelly quoted at the end of her story in the Washington Post. And he said, quote, we feel great going into the top of this series. We're not worried about what happened in previous years. It's a new year. New teams on both sides. End quote. That's why I think tonight and Sunday are huge for Pittsburgh. Uh, I mentioned that if the Penguins lose tonight, they can still win the series. It's happened eight times out of ten. But if they find a way to win one of these two in Washington, that's when I think the pressure gets to them caps. We got Brian Metzer coming up in five minutes. Josh Yowie to talk about Penguins and caps at 540. Very excited. Since it is draft day, we've got drafts for draft. Hitchhiker Brewing. Going to be joining us from 6 until 7. We'll sample some of their beers. I will get hammered before the game. I'm fired up about that. And we got John Ledger talking about not beer draft, but draft draft at 5. My take on the Steelers draft? I think they should trade up for a linebacker. An inside linebacker. A guy who can replace Ryan Shazier. Go get your dude. Whether it's Van Der Esch or Rashawn Evans, I don't think either of them will be there. There's a chance they could. But I don't think either of them are going to be there. Slide up a couple of spots. Grab one of them. Find your dude. And if Ryan Shazier miraculously does come back in two years and is what he was before, then you play him next to the guy. Vince Williams is just a dude. More on that, as I said, at 5 o'clock. Coming up next, Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. Pens caps, baby! Right of spring! I'm fired up! It's Crowley Show.
this month, drive in the spring with a brand new Chevy. Hi, this is Tun Chilkin from my friends at Calusi Chevrolet. Did you know that the team at Calusi has been in business for 100 years? So whether you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, you need to check out their huge inventory. They have a great selection of crossovers like Equinox, Traverse, and the Chevy Trax. And you can trust the team at Calusi Chevrolet to make the process easy and hassle-free. Find them online at Calusi.com. Chevrolet, find new roads. You know what? <clears throat> the uh, Steelers should make their draft hashtag find your dude. I like that. If a guy goes undrafted, should his hashtag be earn tomorrow? Uh, ESPN Pittsburgh traffic. I got penguins in six if Malkin misses one game. If Malkin misses two games, I got penguins in seven. If Malkin misses any more than that, I got capitals. How's that for hedging your bets? It's just great to see Tom grow so much as a producer. I mean, really... He's the best part of the show right now. And I feel bad saying that because Brian puts in a lot of work. And, I mean, I sit here and talk for three hours. But this Tom guy, he got a brewery to come in tonight. Although that was Brian's idea. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I looked at him lovingly just then. He took a sound bite from the last segment, played it going into the next segment. My God, I want to roll over there right now and just hug the hell out of him. Maybe get a little, cop a little feel, too. I was going to say, hug's a word for it. Well, that's where it starts. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, hugs the show next. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm just great. How about you, my friend? I'm good, buddy. What do you think about me hedging my bets there? That was very interesting. And um, if only you could put money on each of those scenarios and pull it back if they don't come through. Hmm. Well, I do get paid, however sparingly, for this radio show. And it's because people flock to me for the correct opinion. Well, the idea is to just make sure you give the right opinion when they happen to be listening. Mm, therein lies the rub. Brian, <laughs> the Capitals have seen this fish before. They're all excited because they get an opportunity to play the Penguins and kind of knock that demon uh, off their back. Do you think that that goes in their favor? Do you think that that helps as motivation? Or do you think that this is something they're going to be fighting with over the course of the series? I mean, as much as they try and paint it as a good thing and, you know, they want to sort of exercise those demons, to me, that automatically brings a clench factor for them, in my mind. I mean, this is a team that has lost, not that particular team, but in history, they've lost to the Penguins nine of ten times in these scenarios. That's not something that you should be very proud of. And as I said last year to you and many others and on our Penguins radio network, until the Washington Capitals beat the Penguins, I don't believe that they can and it's this group of players that I'm talking about because the Penguins' core always seems to beat the Capitals' core in big games. I know it didn't happen late in the season with the division title on the line, potentially, but that still wasn't as big a game. I mean, the Penguins find a way in the playoffs. So uh, I think just by the law of averages, the, the, the Capitals have to come through at some point. But I, I'm still I'm with you, man. I, I got the Penguins in this series. Tonight, I would argue that the Penguins are not the better team. Without... Evgeny Malkin without Carl Hagelin, that effectively eliminates their second line. So all the depth the Penguins have will be tested, obviously, but the, tep the depth in-game isn't going to be really what you'd like it to be. So as far as tonight's concern, I worry about that a little bit. 
Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, their depth is definitely going to be, uh, you know, challenged a little bit. But that said, this is exactly why they went out and got Derek Broussard, so that if one of the big guys went down, they still felt that they were going to be pretty solid down the middle. And the way that they've been able to work with Riley Shane, uh, he, he looked just fine to me in game, uh, in game six against the Flyers. He was a good defensive presence. I know he didn't light it up offensively, and that's probably the biggest concern because all of that offense that comes with Evgeny Malkin sort of drops off a little bit when you compare him to O'Reilly Shane. And for what I just told you, I found it kind of funny that in, in their desire to keep together that Broussard line, they opted to just put Riley Shane into Geno's spot <laughs> rather than use Broussard as the substitute. So, But generally, did Broussard, Shane down the middle, still gives you a, a pretty decent one, two, three punch because I, I don't know that the Capitals still have three centers that can offset three scoring lines that way. So it's not a terrible look, but it's not Evgeny Malkin. I mean, that's one of the best, you know, players in North America, if not the planet, and that's a significant loss. So the Penguins have got to weather that storm. But I still feel like they're they're not too concerned about losing Gino for at least a game, maybe two, because they they have that Broussard factor working for them. They do, and that's exactly why Derek Broussard was acquired by GMJR. We're joined by Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. If we're looking at matchups, and I know Mike Sullivan doesn't like to roll with the matchups, but if Barry Trotz is trying to look for a matchup, I think you'd want to see the Ovechkin unit versus the Crosby unit. And then I worry a little bit, though, about the Oshie and Backstrom line. Those guys are great players. Oshie is, has been really a force in the playoffs these last couple of years, and he's playing really well right now despite being hurt. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Nick Backstrom for me, though, he's just a player that, for many, many years, I looked at him as the best player on the Capitals roster, above and beyond Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, he would go out and score all these goals. But Nick Backstrom does a lot of things right. And the fact that they were talking about adding more of a defensive presence to that to that unit by putting Tom Wilson there at, at times and moving some guys around. I mean, I, I know he plays with the OB line quite a bit. It, it's just interesting to me because Nick Backstrom is a guy that has scored big goals against the Penguins. He's gone out and been a big thorn in their side. But I, I do think you will see Alex Ovechkin's line go up against Sidney Crosby, and then it will be interesting to see if they opt to try and keep Shea's line or Broussard's line against that number two unit. But I, I do hear you there. T.J. Oshie is a big-time performer. He knows how to score goals in big games. He did it against the Penguins at times over the course of his tenure in Washington. And this is going to be the chance to show – uh, for him to show Washington's fan base if he deserves that contract that he was given last summer. I mean, would be worth keeping around because they had a mass exodus. They let a number of guys go. They let the proven playoff performer and Justin Williams walk away in favor of keeping him. So to have him there now, he, he's got to make a statement on that second line and help Nick Baxter make a statement. Chris Letang, in his career, I think is a player who can match up well with Alexander Ovechkin just based on his size, his physicality, his ability to be mobile. How do you think he's fared against him in his career? I think generally speaking, I mean, I can't go by 9 too much to just when you look at the playoff matchup because he was up against Gill and Scuderi quite a bit right. back then. But when you look at it over these past couple of seasons, I think he's done okay against the man during regular season matchups. They're both on the ice so much for their teams, that they're going to play against one another, even if they're not matched up. It's just going to happen. And I think as long as Chris Letang doesn't too crazy with overthinking situations, he's going to be just fine. I, I thought that when he started to get 25-plus minutes early in the Flyers series, he started to look a lot more like Chris Letang, yeah. and, and that Chris Letang is a very capable player against an Alex Ovechkin. It's when he starts to have those 
those mental seizures, if you will, where he just inexplicably mishandles a puck, lets a puck go into an area where you, you know he normally wouldn't and creates a scoring opportunity against. He cannot do that against Alex, Alex Ovechkin, because you know as well as I do. If he costs a puck up in space where Obi can put a shot on goal, I would say 80% of the time he's going to find a way to put that shot past your goaltender mm-hmm. or it's going to create a huge rebound opportunity for someone else on his line. So as long as Tanger plays with, to quote Mike Sullivan, within himself, I think he'll be just fine. It's not a matchup that's bad for the Penguins. I, I actually think it could work very, very well. And if you tell Chris Letang, I need you to be a big-time uh, catalyst in stopping Alex Ovechkin, maybe that's something he can thrive and, and sort of eat off of and make himself even better in these playoffs. Brian, how do you slow down this Capitals power play? I think it's zone entries and, hey, don't take penalties. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Do not take penalties. They scored a power play goal in every game against Columbus. I felt that they used it to really knock off that opponent because when you look at it five on five in that series, the Blue Jackets for long stretches did outplay the Capitals at five on five. So the power play was a big difference maker, and they were able to score three power play goals in one of those games. Penguins have got to stay out of the box. But that said, their power or their penalty kill started to come around a little bit in that series against the Flyers. They were something like 90% in killing them off, and I think that the Flyers had a pretty formidable power play. But the key for the Caps is Alex Ovechkin, for as one-dimensional as that has been with him from the left dot, he's been moving around an awful lot more. He's starting to let shots fly from the top uh, left point. He's been crashing the net a little bit. He scored a couple dirty goals. He's getting those rebound opportunities himself off of shots from maybe Oshie. That's a look if you think back, and you may have mentioned it a couple uh, weeks ago when we talked, that John Carlson was almost a decoy in that situation where they set Carlson up for a shot. So look for all those little wrinkles coming up against the Penguins. They're going to be looking to do everything in their power to score on their power play against this club. So the key is going to be stay out of the box, but you've got to limit those looks for Alex Ovechkin because he's now moving around the ice a little bit more, and that's not going to be an easy thing to stop. Speaking of Carlson, he had nine points in that first-round series, and eight of them came on the power play. Yikes. Says a lot, Says it, a lot doesn't it? It does. I mean, I, that power play, it, it terrifies me. And Again, I'm, an, I'm unabashedly a Penguins fan, and I think Penguins fans, and, and like you said, look, they've seen the Penguins beat the Capitals nine out of ten times. But for me, I've seen them the last two years struggle against Washington in the playoffs. Yeah, they won the series, but... They've got some good players over there. When they signed T.J. Oshie to the extension, I know a lot of people said, wow, it's too long and for a lot of money. And I get that, but I also don't like playing against that guy either. <laughs> he's, he's an SOB. I mean, to put it bluntly, he's one of those guys that endeared himself to the nation with what he did in the Olympics and all those shootout goals, etc. And everybody thought he's this great All-American kid. Well, when you play against him, I think he agitates quite a bit. He throws the butt end around a little bit. He does some sneaky things, and I don't want, I wouldn't call him dirty by any means, but he's a player that you've got to really much look out for because not only his skill, but he'll do those little things to maybe put an injury out there. But he's also susceptible to big hits, so they need to keep an eye on that. The Penguins might be able to knock him off of his game a little bit if they start to try and ramp up the physicality. Now, that said, he's a guy that I just told you in the, in the last breath, I feel like this is a make-or-break type of playoff for him. He's got to go out and make it happen and show that he can do it on the big stage of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He didn't often do it for the Blues. He's had his moments for the Capitals, and this is his chance to really redeem his playoff career, if you will, and show that he can do it against this Penguins club. And To that point, though, I want to throw out, 
you mentioned that the Penguins struggled a little bit in the last two playoffs. I, I feel like the biggest reason why they were able to win those series was goaltending. Matt yeah. Murray did it two years ago. Marc-Andre Fleury did it last year. So he's going to have to find a way to win some games for this hockey club because you know that the Capitals are going to start to roll up some shots on goal, and that alone can be dangerous, be it 5-on-5 five five or on the power play, be it E.J. Oshie, Ovechkin, or whoever else. Matt Murray's got to make those saves and show that he's going to be that guy that the Penguins know he has been in the past during the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, and I want to stick with that. I want to talk a little bit about the Capitals' goaltending. Uh, last year, Mark Andre Fleury was outstanding, 921 save percentage in the playoffs against Washington. Uh, and Matt Murray, uh, two years ago, had a 926 save percentage uh, against Washington. Brayden Holpe, I, I think there's this narrative that he hasn't played well against Pittsburgh. And what I'll say about that is he always seems to give up one more goal than you want him to. Uh, last year, not great. He had an 887 save percentage. Two years ago, he had a 923 save percentage against Pittsburgh. How do you evaluate him as a whole, and what do you expect from him this series? Uh, I feel like he, his skills have definitely eroded a little bit. He's not that guy that is maybe going to be a Vezda candidate every year. Part of that is because they just play him too much. Their defense isn't necessarily one of the most stout in the National Hockey League. I mean, they're using Brooks Orpik still in some bigger minutes than he should be playing. They have some young guys. It was sort of a rough transitional year for their blue line, and I think he he bore the brunt of that situation. And when people wanted to talk about Grubauer being so much better, he only played 28 games or something like that this season. So right. that's not a huge sample size. Now, to your point, Adam, last year, you see Braden Holpe, he allowed two or less goals four times in that series. So, I mean, that's a guy that is very much capable of keeping the Penguins held at bay, but he does tend to allow that one extra goal. Is that the Penguins being clutch? Was that their goaltender being a little bit more clutch than, than that of the Washington Capitals? When I look back at last year's Game 7, yes, Holpe probably would love to have the Hornquist goal back. That's the one that uh, was probably the ugliest looking. But at the same time, Kevin Shattenkirk left him out to dry. I think he fully believed that Patrick Hornquist is going to be headed off at the pass by a defenseman that you know my opinion on is not very high. Yeah. I think that's a guy that should have never been put in that situation to try and stop him. So if Braden Holtby can be the guy that he's been in the first round, since he came back to the net, 1.92 goals against in a 932 save percentage, that's very impressive. If he does that to the Penguins, they could have some problems. And his career in the playoffs against the Pens, he's only at 2.52 goals against in a 908 save percentage. I know that's not very impressive. But that said, it's not necessarily the guy that you think, and you, you just mentioned that, it's not he's like he's getting up five, four and five goals per night. That doesn't always happen. They just have to find a way to get that extra one against him, and he could be the big-time difference maker this time around. If he can find a way to win games, specifically in Pittsburgh where he struggled, I think that's going to make the lives of the Pittsburgh Penguins very difficult. What's the most intriguing thing to you in this series? Last thing here for you, Brian. Um, that's probably one of the stories, because if the Penguins light him up early, will they immediately try and go back to Philip, Philip Grubauer? I think that's going to be a big-time thing to watch. Trotz has already shown that he's willing to do it, but can he go back to it now that he's already pulled the youngster out of the net? So that's a big storyline for me I'm going to have an eye on. And the Penguins' injury situation. We all forget about Carl Hagelin's value here, too. He's a very, very big penalty killer for this team. His speed has been on display a lot over the last two years in the, in the playoffs. I know last year he may not have been as big a factor early due to him coming off an injury, but that's a guy that's going to be seriously missed by this club. And what's going to happen with Geno? So the injuries in, in Holtby, I think, are two big storylines I'm going to keep an eye on here. 
Really appreciate the time, as always, Mets. Thank you so much, dude. Hey, no problem, brother. I appreciate you having me, and I uh, look forward to breaking this one down with you as we move through the series. Can't wait, buddy. Thanks again. Oh, no, I sound like Ovechkin. Can't wait. Ah, crap. Brian Metzer, Penguins Radio Network. I just didn't say We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Steelers are listening to offers from Martavis Bryant. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Oh, my God. Martavis Bryant? Bryant. Offers. Could they be trading up? Could they be trading down? Jinx, you owe me soda. Most lawn food doesn't care whether it's feeding your grass or feeding your weeds. But BioAdvanced All-in-One at the Home Depot knows the difference. Its all-in-one solution feeds your lawn while killing weeds, including crabgrass, starting at just $24.98. About the cost of a nice dinner for you or your lawn, but not your weeds. BioAdvanced All-in-One, starting at just $24.98. Every day at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Selection varies by store. I mean, it's just the worst cliche. It really is. Steelers throw the phone out the window? I mean, if you answer the phone, does that mean you're listening for offers? I don't know. I think they they turn the phone off in the offseason. That way it does not ring, so they're not listening for offers. Turn it right back on for draft day, though, right? I looked at him lovingly just then. He took a soundbite from the last segment, played it going into the next segment. My God, I want to roll over there right now and just hug the hell out of him. Maybe get a little, cop a little feel, too. I realize they're dead and buried, but let's bring up Claude Drew for just one more second here. When asked about the crowd being tough on him, he said, quote, Yeah, I think, I do think so. I think when it's not going very well, fans, they can get a little start booing and stuff. That's when we try to do too much. On the road, we really don't get that. We have our game plan at the start of the game, and we carry on for 60 minutes. I think sometimes, I'm not saying every game, but sometimes at home, it wasn't going our way, and sometimes it can happen like that. You can have a bad start. You can be down one or two nothing. You can keep going the same way. You planned on playing the game. That wasn't the case. We kind of changed our game. We tried to do a little too much, trying to do someone else's job instead of going out there and playing the game, and quote, Hey, Claude the Fraud, you were a minus freaking 10. They booed you because you deserved to be booed. I hate Philadelphia trash. Those fans are awful. I ripped them the next day after they were throwing full beer cans on the ice. That pisses me off. But don't blame your team's performance on the fans. Any team that gets negatively affected by fans is a bad team. And that's bad captainship right there. That's being a bad leader. You think Sidney Crosby talks about how tough it is to play at home in front of the home fans? Do you think Sidney Crosby ever blames the fans for losing a game or a series? Grow up, Claude Fraud Giroux. More like Claude Jabu. Nailed it. Go to Larry and Green Tree next up on the show. Hello, Larry. Hey, Adam. How you doing? Good, buddy. Hey, I have a couple a couple points. One, you guys just touched on. I I do I am worried that if Wilson or Oshie, you know, puts a big hit on another key player and takes a, another player out uh, with you know with Malkin and Haglin already out. If you know if another player gets injured in the first or second game until one of those guys gets back, that's going to be real tough sledding. 
It's always a worry, Larry. It always is. In any playoff series, no matter who you're playing, and I think it goes tenfold when you're playing against Tom Wilson because he's a goon. He's yeah. a curtain jerker. He's a bastard. He didn't add anything to that top line. It's one of the reasons why I don't think the Capitals have changed all that much because they haven't learned from past mistakes. Keeping him on that top line's a mistake unless, of course, he breaks someone in half. Yeah, he's cheap. Also, I'm, I'm you know, I, I shouldn't doubt Murray, you know, just because of what he's done the last two years. But, um, you know, some of those games last year against Washington, you know, Flurry had to stand on his head uh, for us to win, and I, I don't. I hope he's up to the task this year because he hasn't shown it yet. So I think it's fair, and I appreciate the call, Larry. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number. But he's shown it in the playoffs before. He had two shutouts against Philadelphia. He didn't play great in the last game of the series. He'll need to be better than that. I got faith the guy can be though. Because he has the last two years. He's not playing at the top of his game. He's trending there, though. He's playing better than he was at the end of the regular season. Now you hope he ramps it up for another round in the playoffs. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. I do worry about Braden Holpe. I know Penguins fans are so quick to dismiss that guy, and he had an 887 save percentage against them in the playoffs last year. That's not good. But most of that was from the six-goal game, too. I just think that he's underrated by Pittsburgh fans. And when you're a guy who's been in the Vesna conversation and won it once... I think that's the form that is ultimately, over a large sample size, is going to shine through. So I think Brayton Hope is going to be good. I think Matt Murray's going to be good. Who's going to crack first? It's cliche as all get out, but that's the question, right? Who's going to crack first? They both had similar regular seasons where they weren't up to snuff. I think you can make similar claims about both of them. And it's not like Matt Murray hasn't had his moments in the playoffs either. It's not like Matt Murray has always been good. So while I think he'll be good based on his overall body of work, he still needs to clean up some things. And for Holpe, he has always not made the save when he needs to. Maybe it changes. Maybe he reverts to that Vezina form. I think that it is likely. I think in a bigger sample size, talent is going to pull you to the top. And he's got all kinds of talent. And the defense for Washington, not as good as it's been the last couple of years. But I still think the same Braden Holpe's in there. Case in point, though, about not being able to stop the key shot. Last year, Game 7, backhander by Patrick Hornquist. I still have no freaking idea how it went in the back of the net. Made a weird sound on TV, too. I've watched that highlight a hundred times whenever I climax, and it's just bizarre. Weird sound. This is why Jim Rutherford got Broussard, right? Quick answer, yeah. As insurance. They didn't get Broussard to play for an entire playoff series. They didn't get Broussard to play for 20, 30 games without Evgeny Malkin or Sidney Crosby. They got Broussard to give the Penguins depth to create mismatch problems, and then when a player's hurt for a game or two, to step in and to pay dividends that way. 
We now know how it feels to be all the other teams around the National Hockey League where their second-line center is actually a second-line center now. But better than the alternative where you wouldn't have a guy like that. I expect big things from him. He's been great in the playoffs. 0.7 points per game as compared to 0.55 points per game in the regular season. He's been a playoff performer. Now he'll have a bunch of ice time. He's going to be out there on the second power play. I think he's going to be a massive key. Pens need to match Latang against Ovechkin. They do. Not sold on Jamie Alexiak's ability to defend him. Brian Dumoulin's a good player. He plays on Chris Latang's line. I just think that if you're going to have success against Ovechkin, five on five in this series, you need to put the guy who can skate with him against him. And by skate with him, I don't mean with speed. Ovechkin. He's got some speed whenever he can get up to that top speed. Say speed more times, Crowley. After he initially accelerates, he can get going a little bit. He's also like a freaking brick bleep house. Chris Letang is similar from a defensive standpoint. He's not the biggest guy, but he's strong. He can skate. And he's a pain in the ass to deal with. I think that's the biggest matchup for the Penguins. I know that Mike Sullivan's loath to do matchups. But if he's going to be playing 30 minutes tonight, he'll see his fair share of Alexander Ovechkin. I brought this up over the last couple of days. There's been a lot of talk from national folks in the hockey community about the pressure being off the Capitals this season. Perhaps the hockey world isn't giving them much of a chance to make a run at the Cup. And because of that, the external pressure isn't as great as it's been. Internally, though, I would imagine the expectations are as high as ever. Ovechkin's still never been out of the second round of the playoffs. Barry Trotz is a lame duck head coach. Because of that, I think the Penguins would be wise to win one of these first two games. Turn the pressure up on Washington and hope that the weight of their own expectations would cause them to hit the panic button. There's also another narrative out there that I've seen tossed around. National hockey media, local hockey media, my friends texted me that the Capitals have learned from past mistakes. In fact, we've got the NHL Network here on in the studio, and that was the headline. Do Capitals have momentum after winning four straight against Columbus? And perhaps momentum, but it's nothing different than we've seen before. you got to win four games in the first round and move on to the second round. And the Capitals have lost a bunch in the second round. In fact, they've won in the first round in 8 of 11 Alexander Ovechkin-led teams. In order to lose in the second round, you had to have won in the first round. They haven't learned anything. They're a good hockey club. You can break it down psychologically all you want. They're a good hockey club. Did they learn something? I don't think so. If they win the series, people will say they did. Last year, if Alex Ovechkin's shot doesn't hit the stick of Marc-Andre Fleury and Braden Holpe stops the floater from... Patrick Hornquist, we're not talking about narratives. Uh, narratives fit in the aftermath. Oh, they're gripping the stick tight. Oh, they're trying too hard. Oh, this, oh, that, oh, the other. Man, sometimes it boils down to luck. Both teams are really good. One dude makes a play, and the other dude doesn't. I can't wait for this damn thing to get off tonight. I also can't wait for the hockey game. Really looking forward to that. John Ledger, draft analyst. He'll hop on with us next to talk about the other thing going on. That's the other thing for me. I'm a big hockey guy. Who are the Steelers going to take? 
future QB, future running back, trade up for an inside linebacker. They're fielding offers on Martavis Bryant. We'll discuss it with him next. It's the Crowley Show.